opportunity today to say a few things that I hope will fall on receptive hearts. And if we can't expect, if we can't anticipate that the gospel is being preached to those who have open and receptive spirits, then what are we doing? Every time I come up here and every time somebody stands in front of a class to teach it, we do so with the hope that we're talking to people who not only have ears to hear, but who really hear. And that means that I've heard the message, now I need to do something about what I've heard. And my prayer today is that you will do that, not for anybody else, but for yourself. Because I truly believe that for everything that God does, there is a purpose. There's a purpose. And he said that through the wise man in Ecclesiastes chapter uh, 3. And we normally use that passage for funerals. And we talk about uh, there's a time to live, there's a time to die. Well, there are a lot of other things there that we need to be aware of. But here is the overarching point of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It's in the very first verse where it says, For everything there is a season and a purpose. There is a time for every purpose under heaven. I want to reflect on that as well as Acts chapter 20 and several other passages this morning as we talk about being called for a higher purpose. Being called for a higher purpose. Let me ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1 first, in addition to 1 Corinthians that has been read in our hearing this morning, where the Lord says through Paul in the 10th chapter in the 31st through the 33rd verses, in essence, uh, everything that we do we ought to do for the glory and honor of God. He was talking to them about not eating things that have been uh, sacrificed to idols. He was talking about the things that they criticized each other about. And Paul ends up saying, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord. That's what makes most sense and is most important. And then in Ephesians chapter 1, the Paul that we know, speaking to the church at Ephesus, a great church in its own right, says to them in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, just as he chose us in him, this is speaking of Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. But we want to put specific emphasis on verse number five this morning, according to the good pleasure of his will. Everything that happens, happens according to the good pleasure of God's will, not ours. In other words, we're not 
calling any shots? Have you, have you think, have you thought for a while in your life that you were calling the shots only to realize with some particular happening in your life that you're not in charge of anything? I know I've had those instances in my life where I thought I was rolling and, and I thought I was a, a shot caller. <laughs> Only to find out that you ain't calling no shots about nothing. Everything is according to the predestined will of God. So it's important this morning that we understand that we are called to a higher purpose than what may meet our daily experiences. Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. Let me direct your attention there. Romans chapter 8, and beginning with verse number 28, the scriptures teach us again, the, the apostle Paul teaching the church at Rome. He says, beginning with verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and whom he has called according to his purpose, his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, or uh, verse 30, uh, yes, verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? Here it is. If God is for us, who can be against us? Powerful question to begin the new year, folks. If God is for us, then who can be against us? Let me ask you something. Have you ever asked yourself or the Lord or those around you, why am I here? Have you awakened on those days and had during the course of that day something that happened that, mo that, that motivated you to ask yourself, why am I here? What about, what does God want from me? What about, what is my purpose? There are many folk living today who are living every day but have no sense of an overarching purpose for their lives. Every day is different. They can't really piece it together. They can't see where they quite fit in. Some of you may be in the audience this morning. Have you ever asked yourself, who do I report to? What's going on? And in the context of this lesson today, have you ever wondered why certain people are in your life? You want to talk a little more about that this morning. We're not in the world to simply work on a job, follow a career path, get married, have children, and die. Not where God is concerned. Now, Methuselah lived like that. The scripture says Methuselah was the oldest man to live, living 969 years, but at the end of his life, he had nothing to show for those years but to say, I lived and I died. Leaving nothing as a legacy. 
other than he lived a long time. Oh, our purpose is deeper than that. It's a deeper purpose. And I want each of you to listen to me this morning. We all have a connection to God through the talents he has blessed us with to do his will. Our task is to find our place or our purpose where the best can be accomplished for the kingdom of God. Our place, our goal, our purpose here at Roosevelt City needs to be known by us individually and then as a congregation. Why has the Lord placed us in the Roosevelt City community for over 80 years? Because he hasn't done that haphazardly because nothing is haphazard or coincidental with God. Your birth, whether your parents were married or unmarried, means something to God. There is a purpose in what you do and in what God allows you to do. You'll remember that David uh, looked over and saw Bathsheba bathing and he wanted her, desired her, had her brought to him and he eventually laid with her and she conceived the child. God allowed that child to be born into this world and to live eight days after it was born and then he took that child away from them. There was a purpose in the will of God for that happening. We don't have to understand it. Rarely do we understand what God is doing. But the fact is, there is nothing that is haphazard or coincidental with God. Everything has a reason and a purpose. Let me go further with that. There is a purpose for everyone you meet. I know some of us say, Lord, I wish I hadn't met this one. <laughs> have you ever said that about somebody? I wish I had never met you. Because you know what? You think you have some things together only to meet somebody who will show you that you don't have it as together as you thought you did. Mm -hmm. You may have considered yourself risen above some things. And God allows somebody to come into your life to show you you ain't all that in a bag of chips for real. You just needed to meet the right person to find out more about yourself. So some people come into your life to test you. Some to teach you. Some to use you. Mm-hmm. Some to bring out the very best in you. But one thing is for sure. Everyone will teach you something about yourself. Everyone you entertain. Everyone who crosses your path will show you something about yourself. Both positive and negative relationships teach us valuable lessons. As a matter of fact, the road to self-discovery requires help from others. And as humans, we are always seeking feedback and approval from other people. 
That is how we learn and become better as individuals. No relationship then with that in mind is a waste of time. Lord, I know I'm saying something that's revolutionary for some of you. No relationship, whether negative or positive, is a waste of time. We need to look for the good and that which will help us in every relationship. Even the wrong ones, relationships, teach us the lessons that prepare us for the right ones. I think it was that philosopher Medea who said God may take you through seven thugs to get you to the one man that's for you. And you caught, you can put that on the other shoe as well, the foot as well. But we need to learn how to appreciate everyone that enters our life because they are contributing to our growth and our happiness. Statements like, I wish I'd never met you are, I thank God for you. Or I am who I am because you are who you are. Reveal some of the experiences that surround purpose in life. Purpose really has to do with what is the plan for your life? What is the design for your life? What is the aim? What is the objective? There is an overarching objective. Now when we look at the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20, which is where we were studying this morning in our Sunday school class and where we will continue studying until we finish these books in the book of Acts. Now, in, in, in chapter 20, as Brother Gibson showed us this morning, Paul, being concerned about the church at Ephesus, because that church at Ephesus was a very important church. It was the church from which the three missionary journeys were launched. So it was like a home base for Paul and those who worked with him as they would leave out to go on their missionary journey to teach people. And when he got ready to leave Ephesus, after having spent some three to three and a half years there with them, the Bible says he felt this need to call those elders together and to tell them something about his dealings with them and what they could expect in the future. Now, I want you to look at that again with us this morning. Chapter 20, Acts chapter 20. The Bible says around verse 28 that once he had gotten there, once those, uh, not, uh, they had gotten to him, of course, called, Paul called them to come from Ephesus over to Miletus to meet him there because he wanted to talk to him before he left that coast. And what he said to them is recorded beginning at verse 28. Now I want you to just look at what he said to them because I want you to see that it was God's purpose that Paul served as he did with those elders and say what he did to them. That wasn't Paul's own doing. The Holy Spirit led Paul to call those elders together and when he got them there, he didn't fill them up with a lot of platitude. He didn't say, oh, y'all doing a wonderful job. I've enjoyed working with you all for the last three years. All of those things may be fine and good, but that's not where he started. He reminded them, number one, that he says, take heed to yourselves first 
and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer. We don't make you elders here. I may ordain you, but I don't make you an elder. That's a spiritual assignment. That's a divine assignment. Paul said to them, the Holy Spirit has made you overseer. So eventually, you must look to the Holy Spirit for your, your validity in Christ Jesus as elders. I want you to understand what he's saying to them. He says, now I want you to do this. I want you to oversee the flock. I want you to shepherd the flock of the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Now, we, are, we hasten to say to men and women that, you know, there are a lot of churches out there today calling themselves the church of God. And ain't nothing wrong with that. As long as you understand that church of God refers to the church of Christ. Not the number one in the Godhead, God the Father. But the second one in the Godhead, God the Son. Because God the Father has never had blood. God the Father is a spirit. Always has been. Always will be. That's why Jesus stands between us and him and pleads our case. Because God the Father doesn't know what it is to live being tempted by sin. He's a spirit. So when the Bible speaks of the church of God, in essence what it's talking about is the church of Christ. How do we know that? Because the Bible says he purchased the church with his own blood. You remember in Matthew 16, 18, when, Paul, or when Peter announced that Jesus Christ was the son of God. Around verse 37 and 38, when he announced that, Jesus' words to him were... Flesh and blood didn't reveal this unto you, Peter. When Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Bible says Jesus said to him, Flesh and blood didn't tell you this. In other words, one of these other dusty-eyed guys around here didn't tell you this. God, my Father who is in heaven, told you this. To distinguish that God is different from man and that he has never donned flesh. But he is in the spirit. So in Acts chapter 20, Paul reminds them of that as he's getting ready to depart. Now, he goes on to say to him that after his departure, some wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. He warns them that he says, also from among your own selves men will rise up. Speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for the space of three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Those tears were because some people weren't paying attention. And now, brethren, I command you to God and to the word of his grace. In other words, I'm getting ready to leave here, but I'm going to leave you in the hands of a just God. And to the grace that he has shown us, he says, for well, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in. And they're going to come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among your own selves, some are going to rise up speaking lies to draw away disciples after themselves. 
And then he goes on to show them the kind of person he has been while he was there with them. In verse number 32, he says, And now, brethren, I commend to you, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. That's the first thing. Since I've been here with you, I haven't been jealous over anything anybody had. I didn't want it so bad that I was willing to do them wrong to get it. I have coveted no man's gold or his silver or what he wore. He says, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. Paul said, that was a time when I worked. I didn't depend on you only. I worked with my own hands to supply my needs. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And the Bible says after he has spoken those words, he and the elders knelt down and prayed and cried together. And they embraced him and kissed his neck because they knew that Paul wouldn't be coming that way again. They knew they were going to see him for the last time as he was speaking these words. So I, I want to know of you today. What have you concluded is God's purpose for your life? I want you to think about that seriously. What have you concluded? is God's purpose, his objective, his aim, his plan for your life. Pharaoh. God had a purpose for Pharaoh. And the Bible teaches us in Exodus 9.12 and Romans 9.17 that God said to Pharaoh, I have raised you up. Notice he didn't say, I have created you. Yeah, he created Pharaoh. But at a certain time in Pharaoh's life, God raised him to a point of prominence. A king. Over Egypt. But God said to him, I have raised you to this level of prominence so I can use you to show the world my power. Oh, folks, that's some kind of purpose, isn't it? Have you ever thought that maybe the Lord has brought you to a place of prominence but his purpose is to use you to show others how powerful he is God had a purpose for Pharaoh he had a purpose for Hannah and first Samuel you remember Hannah Hannah and Elkanah her husband were they, they remind you of Abraham and Seth in that God had promised Sarah a child. He hadn't promised Hannah a child. See, promised Sarah a child at an old age. And as a result of it, she laughed at God. How can I, with a womb that is barren, at this age, have a child? 
Some of the things that God has purposed for you in your life, you're not going to be able to understand until you're in the position. Some of the places God has taken you to, you're not going to see what it's really about until you get there. So he can take you up to the top of the ladder, but you know, folks say, you know, it's lonely at the top. He can take you to the top of a career path only to use you to show those around you how powerful he is. In the case of Hannah, the Bible said Hannah didn't have a child. Her, her, bear, her, her womb was barren. But Elkanah's other wife, Benina, had a child. And of course, you know what happens in those situations. Same thing that happened with Sarah and Hagar. For some reason, the woman who was able to bear a child was considered better than the one who could. But can you imagine having somebody like a Pinana or a Hagar in your life? That's like having those people who were continually meeting Paul every time he tried to preach the gospel with trials and tribulations. What is the purpose of those trials and tribulations? We would know nothing about the faith of Paul had there not been those trials and tribulations. So sometimes hard times show how strong your faith is. How can you show development in the area of faith if you have no trials? So folks, don't be so quick. There is a place in life for your pain. There's a purpose for your pain. There's a purpose for your confusion about things. There's a purpose for whatever God is doing in your life. There is a purpose. Stay with it. Hannah needed Penana so that her faith could grow. It grew to the point where she said, Lord, you haven't given me a child. And I sure want one back. She said, I want one so bad that if you will bless me with a child, I'll give him back to you. And as soon as God gave her sin, so I'm, 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 I'm of the mindset that had not there been a Penana criticizing her and laughing at her every time she walked out of the house, calling her Baron Hannah. See, there's something about being criticized like that that will make you stay on your knees long. And it'll change the content of your prayers. Hannah didn't say, Lord, get up for me. It's not my fault that I'm barren. Hannah went to the other extreme. It, it did something for her faith. To the extent where she can say, Lord, I promise you, Lord have mercy. Some of us have been through a whole lot less than that. But have you ever prayed for a child and said to the Lord, if you give this child to me, I'll promise you, I'll give him back to you. We all readily admit that they come from God, but then we don't promise them back to God. That's among the things. And I want you to think about that. I didn't either. I wanted to. I didn't know how to do it at the time. I didn't see the importance of it. I thought because God had given me a child, he would guide him. But you know, some things I need to ask God for. They're available to me. 
but I need to ask him for it. Yeah. Here's an example. Hannah said, Lord, if you give me this son, I'll give him back to you. And when Samuel was born, she treated him just like the promise she had made to God. Devoted his life to the Lord. So, for we need some of the things that we have to deal with. It took Jeremiah getting frustrated with God's hard-headed folk. You know, sometimes it takes hard-headed folk to get teachers and preachers to the place where they can understand the place for that. See, it wasn't simply to make Jeremiah say, I'm never going to preach to these folk anymore. But it was to get him to the place where he realized that once he tried to quit. <laughs> can you see that? He needed these folk to be disobedient. So God could raise him to a point where he could understand that he wasn't preaching this thing about money. He says, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. Well, how did he discover that when he tried to quit? And realized he couldn't quit. And realized the reason he couldn't quit. He didn't say, I'm not going to preach anymore because they're not paying me enough. And then he didn't come back and say, I'm going to preach because they raised my salary. He says, I'm going to continue because I've discovered through these hard-headed, critical, stiff-necked folk that I'm preaching this because I can't do anything else. My body, my sinews, my mind won't let me do anything else. There's some things God has to teach you that you can't do without, but he's going to do it in a way that you will never see. Sometimes God raises us up through hard-headed people's behavior. Stiff-necked people. Behave. You know, I, I, as I've learned to work with people who don't want to hear what's being said, it has made me more determined to keep saying it. And every time I preach and get no visible response, it says, keep on preaching. Don't give up on it. Keep on preaching. So I like good folk, but bad folk will teach you something too. Mm. I've learned that some folk I thought were good are bad. And some I thought were bad are good. But I've learned that whatever God has placed in my path uh -huh. to look for the good in it for myself and for the church. Let me move to concluding by saying this. Saul had a purpose. We're no different. Saul's purpose was to preach to the Gentiles. According to Acts 9, 15, and 16. Stephen had a purpose. Stephen's purpose was to teach the word of God, even sacrificing his life in doing it. In Acts chapter 7, verse 60. Philip's purpose was to preach the word to the Ethiopian eunuch. Acts 8, 36 through 38. Peter's purpose, or Philip's purpose rather, Peter's purpose was to be an apostle and to preach the first gospel sermon in Acts chapter 2. Judas' purpose was to portray the Son of God, according to John chapter 17, verse number 12. Timothy and Titus's purpose was to preach the gospel under the mentoring of Paul. Verse in 2 Timothy and 
Titus. John the Baptist's purpose was to prepare the way for the Lord according to Mark chapter 1 and verse number 2. The apostles' purpose was to spread the good news of the kingdom everywhere. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And all did what they did because this was God's plan and his purpose for his life. Know this as I conclude. Nobody here is without a purpose. Nobody. So dispel the thought from your mind that you are just an idle person wandering around in the world until you die. Everybody has a purpose. I wonder this morning if you've tried to decide what yours is. A good start for identifying your purpose is to consider what you've known for in your circle of friends. Did you hear that? A good way to start trying to figure out what your purpose in life is, is by thinking about and paying attention to how you are viewed in your circle of friends. Sometimes the characterizations are like this. And we've heard some of these just recently in the last couple of days where people have been killed over in the Southtown Project, elsewhere in the city. One of the things that you hear about people is he would have given you the shirt off his back. No doubt some of you here have that same kind of reputation among your friends and family and co-workers and acquaintances. But that's all they say about now that's good. You know, I'd rather have them say that than something like, he's like a refrigerator, can't keep nothing. <laughs> a broke refrigerator, I mean. You know, I've heard people say those kind of things about folks. Don't, if you don't want it to get out, don't tell him. If you want it to get out, and you know that was a time when Jesus wanted some stuff out. And he said to his disciples, don't tell nobody I said <coughs> Excuse me. Because Jesus knew that the first thing they would do. And they didn't let him down. Go and tell somebody. If you want somebody to know something, tell them don't tell nobody what I'm telling you. <laughs> That's a cue for some folks. I'm telling them. They can't wait for you to finish telling them. So they can call somebody else and put your business in the street. And then have the audacity to tell you, don't tell nobody I told you. Isn't that whacked out? I'm going to tell you what I promised to keep secret, but you promised me that you won't tell nobody else now because this is just between me and you. But it's just amazing that everybody got one person that they think they can tell anything and they won't tell anybody else. Mm. Some people will say, if you ask them now, what y'all think about me? Jesus asked the question, so it's an important question. He asked his disciples, what are people saying about me out there? Why don't you try that on sometime with your friends and relatives and family? What are they saying about me out there? Are they saying he's a phony? Are they saying I don't trust him or her as far as I can throw him? 
Are they saying you can't believe anything he or she says? Are they saying he or she tells it like it is? Are they saying you can talk to him or her and they'll respectfully listen to you? Oh, are they humble? Or are they saying, oh, she's proud? It makes a difference. But whatever you find to be the case, I want you to look past the problems, look past the tears, look past the tribulation to the overarching purpose that God has assigned for you. It may be, it may be your purpose to cheer up others, which means what? If it's your purpose to cheer up others and to encourage others, guess who's going to be knocking on your door a lot? Folk who are sad. Those who have been discouraged. And then they somehow or other, God leads them across your path. But sometimes we get so hung up on what we're giving that we forget about what brought them there. What brought them to you and to your attention. That the Lord says you'll have the poor with you always. Well, what is that message for us? That there is always going to be a time for you to share what you've been given with somebody else. God had a purpose in leaving poor folk here. God has a purpose in, in, in keeping poor folk here every day. And every time we pass them and say, poor thing, you're missing out an opportunity to say, how can I help? Can you see that? I want you to understand this morning that there is a reason for us to continue doing what we're doing because God's purpose for us is greater than any tribulation or trial that we have to deal with. Give it to him. It is God who wills, not us. And if we'll do that, the Lord will show us some things that we never thought we could see in our lifetime about our own commitment. And how we can rise from one level to another level by the people who are placed in our lives and the things we are called upon to do. I want to leave that with you this morning and ask that you'll seriously consider this week whether you have determined yet what God's purpose is for you. You understand that today? If you do, then you have the opportunity to respond. Not only that, but if you understand that God now holds you responsible for what you've heard. No matter how you respond, you've heard it. And the fact that you've heard it makes you responsible. If you're here today and you've heard this word and you believe this word, those are the primary things. You can't believe anything you haven't heard about. But once you've heard it, you can be cut to your heart according to Acts 2, 37. And you can ask, what must I do to be saved? You can ask, what must I do to change? What must I do to become better today than I was yesterday? Stop pointing the finger at other folk. Look at you. The Bible says Paul first talked about himself before he told them what to do. I would to God that we would all do that today. Be willing to repent, which means to change. Be willing to confess that it's because of Christ and his grace that we are able to do it in the first place. And those of you who have never been added to the body of Christ need to be added to the body of Christ. You need to be added. That, there was a reason Paul was 
wanting to hurry up and get to Jerusalem for the Pentecost. Because that was the day that the Lord's church would start. In case you didn't know it, the Lord's, the Lord's church started on the first day of the week. It wasn't a Thursday. It wasn't any old day of the week. It started on a Sunday. Jesus was buried and resurrected Sunday. He was buried Friday but resurrected Sunday. There's something special about that first day of the week. It is the day where the disciples came together to break bread. And that's what we'll be doing even this morning over 2,000 years later. We meet on the first day of the week to break bread. That's not a supper. That's communion. Thank you for your listening. If you're here and you desire to obey God rather than men, it starts with your understanding that and then walking out today. We give you that opportunity right now.